Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Today is part three of the original plan series. And if you haven't been here, we started this series, the original plan with a message titled, The Original Image. And when the Bible talks about our being created, the first thing that the Bible teaches is that after God creates uh, uh, the sun and the moon and the stars and and, um, uh, vegetation and the animals, then he created us, but we were created in his image. Could we get that slide up, please? So um, we've been created in the image of God and as image bearers of God, there's a certain way that we're called to live. Now, when you look at the scriptures, not only were we created in the image of God, but then God told us that he wants wants us to operate and to live in a specific way. So last week we talked about the original mindset. There's a mindset that every child of God should live with, and that mindset is, I am an image bearer of the Most High God, and it is God's plan and purpose for my life that I would be fruitful and that I would be an agent of multiplication wherever I go and in whatever I do. Would somebody say amen? How many believe that we're called to be fruitful and to multiply? That's God's plan. That's God's way. That we would be fruitful, that we would multiply, that we would be agents of kingdom multiplication. We walk in the room and we share the gospel because that's God's plan. We let people know we belong to God and we wanna, we've come to expand the kingdom of God, the greatest kingdom. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. How many would say Amen. And so there's the original image, the original mindset, and today we're going to be looking at the original day. The original day. That's the title of the message today, the original day. You ever wake up and and you're going about your business and you're like, this is a rough day, or this is a challenging day. What about the original day? What was God's plan for our lives when you think about that day? What was the plan of God? That's what we're going to be looking at today. And I want to give you a couple of clues before we unpack this just so that we could pray. In a few moments, I'm going to be reading some verses to you that will reveal that the original day had built-in purpose. It had built-in presence and then built-in purpose. The original day had built-in productivity. It was part of God's original plan. And when you think about how we live today, there's so much of what we do that is based on the original plan even after the fall of man. When sin came into the world, things definitely got more difficult. But that didn't mean that God's original plan was still not meant to be active in our lives and through our lives. God, 
He wants to use us for his glory, and he wants to make us the kind of people who are fruitful and who bring incredible kingdom multiplication wherever we go because that was the original plan. And you know how it happened, how it was meant to happen, day by day. Everybody say day by day. So I want to read uh, um, uh, about the first day of man. And we're going to extract some things to really help us um, live out for the Lord. So in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So notice the first day, this was the first day of man. This was the original day. The original day began with man receiving the breath of life from God. And when he opened his eyes and when he became aware, guess who the first person he saw was? It was God. The first day, the original day, began with man and his God. That was the first day. That was the original day. Now let's keep going. Jumping down to verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. All right? To work it and take care of it. Everyone say that with me. To work it and take care of it. This was part of the original day. In the original day, not only was man in the presence of God, but now man was given specific purpose. Man was given specific purpose. Now this passage is very, very important because it jumps from one type of thing to another type of thing, which I'll explain in a moment, but it's important that we see what's happening here. So you have the presence of God, then you have him like, like hey, if anybody doesn't like to work, guess what? We were made to work. Anyone who wants to be on vacation forever, it doesn't, play, it doesn't roll like that. You got to work. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Amen. Amen. The people of God love to work. We love to be productive. Amen. So now watch this. Watch this. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now he switches gears from his presence to purpose. Now he gives them some moral responsibility. And like I said, we're going to touch on this in a little bit. But he gives them moral responsibility from day one. There, It was God's will for us to live with an awareness of our moral responsibility. A little bit more. It says the Lord God, now he switches gears again. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Why, why did he do that? Because man was called to exercise dominion. 
okay, to, to exercise uh, um, the authority that God had given him. And you see that played out a little bit more. It says, uh, then it says, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all of the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And so now he starts the first family. All of these things happened on the original day. And all of these things are indicators of how we should live out our days. Because every day should belong to the Lord. Every single day that we have life, every single day that we have the privilege of waking up to live, that day should belong to the Lord. And there should be a connection. I want to pray. I want to pray that today the Holy Spirit would make the very important spiritual connection from the beginning of the day to the middle of the day to the end of the day. Because all day belongs to the Lord. How many would say amen? There's a spiritual connection. And when we, when we live out our days the way God planned for us to live, there is a, a momentum to each day. There's a blessing. There, it's like synergistic from, from the morning to the middle of the day to the end of the day. And so I want to pray. And maybe, maybe you haven't thought about it this way uh, um, but I want to pray that God would give us a fresh perspective on each day. I want to pray that God would help us to think about the day the way he wants us to think about the day instead of perhaps the way we think about the day. So let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, Lord, that we're with you. Thank you that we're with each other. And Lord, what an amazing opportunity we have to worship you and to learn from your word. God, would you breathe on your word today? God, would you help your servant, help my, my feeble lips? God, I, I ask that you would go past, Lord, the work of man and that today, these next few moments would be a work of the Holy Spirit. I pray, oh God, that you would go past any distraction or discouragement or difficulty and that we would listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. God, every day belongs to you. That's part of the original plan. Teach us, Lord. Teach us how to live for you each and every day. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's walk through this very quickly. The first thing that you kind of 
get from the, when you read the Genesis account, is that the, is that the original day was from presence to presence. The original day was from presence to presence. And what that means is the original day began with God. And from the very beginning, it was always meant to be this way. The original day was meant to begin with God and to end with God. If you read in the next chapter, I didn't read it, I didn't list it for you, but if you go to the next chapter, as it begins to unfold more of what the average day looked like, the Bible tells that God would come walking in the cool of the evening. And what that means is in the cool of the evening would mean that when the sun would start to set, and so this, the, the, the uh, uh, cool of the day, that when the sun would start to set, and obviously when the sun goes down, it, it, it takes, it, the, the, the heat kind of diminishes a bit. As the sun would set, then God would come, and they would begin their day with God, but then they would also end their day by fellowshipping with God. And that's why the Bible says, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord should be praised. How many know we should start the day with God, and we should end the day with God? It's meant to go from presence to presence, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go down. You start your day with God, you end your day with God. David said, I will speak to you in the morning. Look at what David said uh, in, in Psalm 5. He said, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. I hope you talked to the Lord this morning. I hope you didn't wait to come to church to meet with God. You should have met with God a long time ago. The minute we wake up, how many know? It's supposed to be right to the presence of our king. It's a belief right to his presence. Not, oh, I'm having church today. No, no, no. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be you open your eyes and there he is. The moment you wake up, how many know our first thoughts should be about Jesus? Our first thoughts should be about Jesus. Adam began the day with God. And then he ended the day with God. And let me tell you something. Your life, this is so practical, but so easily missed. And if we could just realize that we have a standing appointment with the Lord twice a day. Everybody say twice a day. Not once a day, twice a day. Everything could change. Now, I want to I confess something to you. Um, a lot of times when preachers are preparing their, their messages, sometimes they have to talk, preach to themselves and say, hey, practice what you preach. So um, this morning, because of the daylight savings time, I woke up late. So I got here late. I got here at 6.30 a.m. That's late for me. And... Believe it or not, even though church starts at 8.30, I got here at 6.30 a.m., and it kind of, kind of rattled me a little bit. Because when I woke up and I saw the time, I just felt like I couldn't do my normal routine. I'm a routine guy. So I get up, I got my robe on, I go right to the kitchen, I grab the cup. <laughs> I go down. I... Turn the coffee maker on. Espresso starts going. 
I know God is moving. As soon as I hear that machine going, mm, it's like God is on the move right there. He's just coming, you know? And so, and honestly, on Sundays, as a rule, I read the Bible for myself before I look at my sermon notes. You know, I don't look at what I'm going to share because I need my own daily bread. How many would say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so anyways, as, the, as today, though, I, was, I felt behind, and I really wasn't behind because, good gracious, you can get to church at 6.30, you know. But nonetheless, I felt rattled, and uh, I just didn't feel myself today. And then I, um, at a certain point in the morning, I stopped, and I was like, I was like, Jesus, Jesus, I can't minister to your people if I'm not connected to you. Lord, I got to practice what I'm preaching. I, wanna, I need to stop. I need to stop trying to rush out of the house. I can't be anything without you. I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good dad. I can't be a good pastor. I can't be a good preacher. I can't be a good grandfather. I can't do anything. I need your image. If I don't have time with your presence, Lord, then they're going to see my image, and that's the exact image I don't want them to see. How many know we need people to see Jesus, not us? How many would say amen? And so we begin our day, begin your day with the Lord. Jesus was the son of God. And over and over and over you hear him, you hear verses of Jesus getting up early in the morning to pray, to talk to the heavenly father. And so it's presence to presence. Okay, it's from the morning to the evening. And let me tell you, your week will change and your days will change when you realize this. Let me just play this out, for, just lay this out very very quickly here. We start our day with God, and in part, we receive our purpose from God. He started the day, and he received purpose immediately. When you're in the presence of God, purpose is a natural byproduct. When you're in the presence of God, you get a natural sense of mission. You get a, nation, a natural sense of calling. You've been with your heavenly father. You've been with your Lord and your savior. And when you walk out, even though you may not have it all clear, you just live with a sense of purpose. God wants to use me. He wants to make me fruitful. He wants to make me an agent of multiplication. That kind of courage and faith and authority flows only from his presence. Only from his presence. When you're with him, it happens. When you're not with him, it doesn't happen. You're like, man, I just, I just feel empty. So we start our day with God. We receive our purpose from God. And then we end our day with God. And we render our thanksgiving to God. So today, you know, when the day ends, when you go to put your head on the pillow, you should end with Jesus too. Here's what happened. Forgive me for the personal references today, but so on Saturday nights, I will often, the sun goes down and uh, I'm not ready to go to bed and 
Um, and what I'll do is, is I'll go for a walk and I'll just pray. I might listen to something, music, a sermon, or I'll just go and pray. Um, unless it's too cold. Then I just chill in the house. And um, so last night, uh, that's what I did. I, I went out and uh, I was walking. And typically, because I was so sensitive to this, and I hope you could develop the same kind of sensitivity to this. So typically, when I'm walking on Saturday night, I, I have to confess to you, a lot of times what I'm doing is I'm praying for the next day. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the message. I'm praying for my responsibility. But yesterday, as I was, as I was walking uh, in the neighborhood, I just stopped and I said, you know, Lord, I... I've had this whole day with you, and you fed me today, and I got to be with my, my daughter today, and I got to talk to my son today, and I did this today, and I did that today, and you know what, Lord, this was a good day. It was a blessed day, but instead of thanking you for this day, I'm already on to the next day. I'm already focused. You did all of this stuff for me. And instead of stopping and saying, thank you for your faithfulness today, God, you're so good and you're so wonderful. I'm already on to the next day and asking you to do more stuff for my next day. But how many know we need to end the day saying, God, I thank you and I praise you and I glorify you. You're worthy to be praised, oh Lord. And let me tell you something, I, I, I'm, I'll, be incur I'll be challenging and encouraging uh, all three services today, specifically us as a church. Can I tell you, I think that we can improve on praising God. I, I was mentioning this in a prayer meeting recently, how um, during the worship time when we went, hold on, let me have a drink here. I want to keep talking and drinking at the same time, right? So during the worship time, we sing worship songs. And it's beautiful. And it's wonderful to hear the whole congregation singing worship songs. I don't know that everybody sings, but most of us do. And, um, and it's good for us to sing worship songs. Um, it's in the Bible. Praise the Lord. And, uh, um, and, and there are all of these songs, the Psalms are many, many songs that went up to the Lord. And a lot of times when you first become a Christian and it comes to worship, that's how you start to learn how to worship. When the congregation is singing, you sing along with them. You know, when the congregation is lifting their hands, you know, a lot of times we start like this. And then we get a little bit better. And then one day, all of a sudden, we're like, I don't care about what anybody thinks. I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. So, so it's a learning process, which is fine. That's the way it is for, for everyone. And we sing together. But you know, worship is not just singing. Praise is not just singing. Praise is praise. And here's the example that I, I want to give to you so you could put this into practice today. Okay, so like, like, you know, one of my favorite things as a grandpa is to teach my grandsons how to play baseball. Really the only sport there is, but that's another conversation. 
So, you know, I, I was uh, teaching James, um, the second oldest, Josh's uh, second son, James. He's just turned four. I was teaching him how to play baseball. And I love uh, that he's got fire in him. And when you throw him the ball, if he misses the ball, he is like mad as a hornet. Like, he's like, come on. And I'm like, yeah, keep the fire, baby. Keep it. But that's okay. But I'm going, good job and good swing. Way to go, James. Even if he missed, I'm encouraging him and I'm praising him for the effort, right? Now, my daughter, Annie, she sings all the time. You know, and I remember her just singing, and I watched her even with kids and with the grandkids. She just, instead of talking to them, sometimes she'll sing to them. So, so she might say something to him like, you're doing a great job, James. <laughs> I know I can't sing, but she can really sing, so, right? So, but, but for us, right, sometimes we sing to God, Right? I pour out my heart, Lord. You pour out your spirit. But sometimes we're not supposed to sing praise. Sometimes we're supposed to give praise. You see? Sometimes we're just supposed to say, Lord, you are so good. This has been an amazing day. And Lord, I give you all the credit and I praise you, God. And I bless you, God. And you're a good, good father. And I love you, God. Some of us need to learn how to praise God. You know how you praise God? You tell him who he is. You tell him how amazing he is. You say, thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. You're worthy to be praised, oh God. Okay, now put your phone away. All right, stop texting, and here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you a question. Has God been good to you? Has the Lord taken care of you in this past week? I know that we've had some struggles and some challenges. Hallelujah. But has the Lord brought you through? Are we not more than conquerors through Christ Jesus? Could we just take a moment, lift our hands? Come on, everybody in the building, lift your hands and come on, bless him. We praise you, God. We praise you. We love you. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah to your name, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. You can do better than that. Come on, praise him out loud. Oh, bless you, God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Glory and honor and power belong unto you, God. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You are so good. You are so faithful, oh God. Thank you, God. Thank you for food. Thank you for clothing. Thank you for shelter, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for vehicles. Thank you for employment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the credit today, oh God. You are worthy of it all, oh God. You are worthy of it all, oh God. All the credit belongs to you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Some of us, we got to learn how to praise God. 
We got to learn how to open our mouth. Imagine this. Imagine you give someone that, the, a gift that you know they really love. Or you give someone a gift that you know they really need. And you know that it would be so good for them and bless them. And when you give them the gift, they go like this. And you're like, why don't you say thank you? They say, well, they know I mean it in my heart. How does that go over? How does that go over? But guess what? That's what we do to the Lord. You see, and here's the thing, brothers and sisters. When your day becomes the Lord's day and it's from presence to presence, something about your day changes. Because to tell you the truth, think about it this way. I want to grow in this. Think about you spend time with the Lord and then things start coming up. And look, in this life, there will be trials and tribulations and problems in this life. When we get to heaven, it'll be glory forever and ever and ever. No more tears, no more sorrows, no more pain, no more sickness, no more family strife. But on this side of glory, there will be difficult days. But there's something about a difficult moment in a difficult, uh, during a difficult day when you say, Lord, I know that I got to endure this. But Lord, when I get home, I'm going to be with you. <laughs> and do you know, when you start to live that way, it's so powerful because you can end your day and say, Lord, it was a rough day. And he could say, oh, it was a rough day. Come over here. And he just whoosh and swoosh, just he removes. He lifts the burdens. He, re, he lifts the fears. He lifts the hurt. He lifts the pain. How many know that's what the presence of God can do for his people? But what I've learned as I'm even thinking about this is that what starts to happen is when you're thinking from morning to night, the day is his, you actually start to cultivate this sense of the immediacy of God. Because you know God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And so God, from the very beginning, he wanted every day to be from presence to presence. But then he also wanted the original day, listen to this, he wanted the original day to be worshipful living from morning to evening. What does that mean? It means that when you spend time with God in the morning, and then you go to work or to do the things that you're supposed to do. God always meant for us to worship him with whatever we're doing, in whatever we're doing. He always meant for us to be worshiping him even throughout the day. For example, there's a famous book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Please, if you have not read this book, do yourself a favor and get it. It's a real little book. This is a spiritual classic. And this book is so powerful. It's about a monk named Brother Lawrence 
that even while he was in the kitchen, he had such deep and profound fellowship and communion with God. Listen to this. He said, in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. And what I mean by that is, what, he, what he's saying by that was this, is that for him, he grew his walk with God to the point that even when he was in a busy kitchen, they would cook for all the other monks. For him, his connection to God was the same as if in the morning when he was on his knees with God because he got so in the practice of living from presence to presence that even during the day, his fellowship with God was not broken. Look at the way uh, 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 Stephen Charnock um, wrote about this. He said, a spiritual worshiper actually aspires in every duty, everyone say every duty, in every duty to know God. It doesn't matter what we do, if we're doing it, how many know God should be in the mix, in the midst, and there should be deep and amazing worship. You see, worshipful living, brothers and sisters, worshipful living basically means that we worship God through our stewardships. Everyone say stewardships. Stewardship means that you're given resources or a responsibility. It's like a, a charge that you're given, take care of this, take care of that until I come back. You're gonna notice that Adam was given four fundamental stewardships, which when by the time we become adults, this is all pretty much the same. So look, the first stewardship that he gave him was occupational. He creates him in his presence. What's the first thing he did? He put him in the garden to take care of it. He gave him a job. Okay? But that job was for him to work in such a way that he would glorify God. In other words, our stewardships are only as strong as the worship behind them. You see, you can work as a teacher right and be a good teacher but God wants us to be worshipful teachers while we're teaching how many would say amen you can be a good police officer but God wants us to be worshipful police officers I was talking to my son Tommy and uh, a kid that he played uh, baseball with in high school is he, he's a police officer uh, here in Chicago now and actually in an immediate suburb and he is like a real Christian. This, this guy's a man of God. And he was telling Tommy how, you know, he gets teased and he gets, 
you know, mocked and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, Tom, I can't believe that. The first guy who discipled me was a cop in Brooklyn and they used to, in, in New York, and they used to do the same thing to him. They would tease him and they would mock him. And so it's like the same thing all over again. But I've got news, to, I got news for you. When those same guys who tease him and mock him, when the day of trouble hits their life or hits their family, how many know they don't go looking for their drinking buddies? They don't go looking for their party buddies. They go for the man of God because they know where the life is. They know where the victory is. They go where the power is. They know there's somebody who's got the answer to peace and victory in life. And that's why even people could be mocking you, but you're like, that's okay, Lord. I know you got a plan. You got a plan, Lord. I'm going to minister to that person any day now, Lord. You're going to open up a door, and the person who dislikes me the most is the person that probably needs you the most, Lord Jesus. And I'm going to love on them. I'm just waiting for you to open up that door. You're going to make me fruitful in the most difficult places. Because I have a job, but it's more than just to make money. It's so God could get the glory. So he gave him a moral it was moral. He said, I'm putting you in this garden. You're in charge of the garden. But guess what? Don't touch this tree. You are morally responsible. That is a stewardship. The world says, do whatever you want. The child of God says, no, I don't do whatever I want. I live for the pleasure of my king and my master. How many know we live for God's pleasure and we recognize that we honor his word at all times? That was his stewardship, you see. Then he gave him a family. We have a stewardship. Our family is so important. We're going to talk more about this next week. But we're supposed to spend time with God. Brothers, spend time with the Lord. And then when you wake up in the morning, hug your wife. Hug her and kiss her. And hug your children. And tell them you love them. And if there's people in your life that you see in the morning, tell them how special they are and how good they are because we are part of the family of God. We don't care about color. We don't care about where someone was born. We don't care everyone is a child of God and we want them to be part of the, the, the kingdom of God and we build the family of God. From presence to stewardship. And obviously communal means the community, how it spills out into all the things we do. So can I just, just get super practical for two minutes? We're gonna close and very, very briefly we'll be closing now. But can I just say this, look, you have to have in life, you don't have to. I wanna encourage you to get a clear sense of God's stewardships for you. What are your stewardships? Do you own your business or does God own your business? Do you own your career or does God own your career? Do you own your talents or does God own your talents? You wanna see your life just get set on fire? Get stewardship clarity. It's gonna bring you peace, it's gonna bring you joy, it's gonna change everything. 
It could be the arts. It could be uh, 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 creates. You, you could be a writer or you could be in music or you could be in, in theater or, or you could be an engineer or whatever it is. God made you. He put those gifts inside of you. Those are your God-given stewardships. And so we're always teaching this, always teaching this. Look, here's an example of two of our CSL students, right? Very quickly, these both of these are under 25, right? I just pulled them up to the ass. So look, here's, here's what they're, they know. We want to teach them. You ought to know very clearly. It's not like, oh, what are my stewardships? No, you're going to give an answer to God for what you did with the stewardships that he gave you. So throughout the day, relationships, students, student of soul care. Landon is a young man who's been with us two or three years. The call of God is on his life. He was part of CSL. He, he's he's uh, 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 moved on since, but still he's with us. And, and uh, uh, the, the hand of God is upon him. And so here he's, he's part of the free breakfast club, CT's Playhouse. He's a becoming groups leader. This young man is getting ready for ministry. And you know what? These are his stewardships. And he worships God all the way through. Here's a, 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 a young woman, Anader Reyes. By the way, we got permission, right? And so relationship student, home admin is one of her stewardships. She's a, she works for a real estate company. She helps with the office. She, she helps with the free. She has her own podcast, her and a friend. She's a becoming group leader. And you know what? They wake up and they think, they pray and they say, God, help me with my stewardship. Your life will change if you live like that. Remarkable. This is the way Jesus said the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God was like and would be like. Look at what the Bible says here. Jesus spoke three parables of this type. We're almost done. For it, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. His property. Okay. To one he gave five talents to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. I want you to read these four words in bold with me. Ready? Then he went away. What was Jesus teaching? What Jesus was teaching is that we wake up in the morning and we spend time with him and then he releases us because we're not robots. We're stewards. We're stewards. We get to live for God. We get to use our talents for God all throughout the day and say, Lord, I do it this way because I love you. I don't do it that way because I love you. God, I say this because I love you. You see, because I want to give you glory. And so look, it says his master said to him after it ends, the master comes back. Everyone will give an account for the kind of stewards we, we, we were while we were here. And it says, look, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant or steward. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. And then come on, read this with me. Ready? Enter into the joy of your master. As we go to close this, just got an example and we'll close. But do you realize that the greatest joy you'll ever have is the joy that floods your life when you stop living for yourself. You wanna be blessed, happy, joyful. Wake up tomorrow 
and say, God, this day belongs to you. And here are my stewardships, Lord. And I want to worship you through each one. And then when the day is, is over, when the day is over, even if it was a difficult day, you could put your head on the pillow and say, Jesus, it was a tough one, Lord. But man, I did it because I loved you. Because I love you, Lord. I love you and I did my best for you. And Lord, you know what's going down. You know everything that's happening. But Lord, hallelujah, I love you, God. Maybe I wasn't pleasing to man today, but I know I was pleasing to heaven. Hallelujah. 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 Sleeping deep. You sleep deep. Joyful. Look, in, 1920, in the 1924 Olympics, there were two characters. They actually wrote a movie uh, about it, you know, they did a movie on what actually happened. There were two runners. One was from England, one was from, one was from Scotland. The guy from England, his name was Harold Abrams. This is a direct quote from his life. He said, and now in one hour's time, I will be out there again. I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor, uh, uh, four feet wide, with 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence, but will I? So this guy lived his whole life as an athlete to get to the Olympics, and to him, how he did on this race, that's what would justify his whole existence. Now, let me tell you something, you and I are more than any accomplishment. You and I are meant to be so much more and live with so much more joy than the pressure of some kind of accomplishment, right? But watch Eric Little. Eric Little was a Christian and he said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Hallelujah, could we praise God? Some people are so stressed out because you're just trying to be successful. But see, if we focus on being a good steward, I'm telling you right now, you'll feel his pleasure. As we close, you think that the Lord sent his son Jesus to die so that you and I can check off. Oh, I, I went to church, check. I went to church, check. I used an illustration. I'm going to make it even more vague in this one. This has happened a couple of times. It's funny when you're a pastor. So I was dri I was pastoring in Omaha, and I was driving in um, down one of the streets. And um, this was 20 years ago, more than yeah, more than 20 years ago. So back in the day, when marijuana was not legal. I'm at a red light. I pull up to the red light. And when I pull up to the red light, I looked over to see a face that I recognized from the church. And they were going like this. You know when the car fills up with the smoke? It was one of the little skinny ones, right? So, so it, was, it was a trip because I felt so bad because I'm like standing right there and there was like, 
you see the windows going down and they're going like this and all that. And I'm telling you, I was like, I was like laughing. I really was laughing. Was I, was, did I think it was that funny? No, but here's, here's why it was funny to me is because somehow, some way that person had in their mind that what I thought mattered as if what I think matters. No. Even if I wasn't at that red light, how many know Jesus was right there? Hold on. Listen. He's watching all the time. He's with you all the time. Every moment of every day belongs to him. And what's awesome about serving Jesus, this is what's awesome about serving Jesus. See, I could look next and laugh and say, hey, how are you doing? And hope that maybe they did get a little bit convicted and then they started serving Jesus. And look, the blood of Jesus is so powerful that even when we haven't been good stewards, we can come to him and say, Lord, I want my days to be different. And guess what? He doesn't say, oh, you want help from me now? No, that's not the way Jesus works. He says, okay, it's all washed away, it's all forgiven. Go now, live for me, sin no more, honor me with your life, and I will bless your socks off. How many are thankful that's the kind of God we serve? Come on, lift your hands to him. He's worthy to be praised. We want to give him our days. We want to give him all day. From presence to presence, each stewardship belonging to him, each gift, each talent, each resource, all belonging to him. We want him to be honored. We want him to be glorified. It was his day from the very beginning. Every day is God's day. Come on, just begin to tell him, every day is your day, Lord. Every moment of my life is your life, oh God. Blessed be your name, oh God. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And I won't be ashamed. I'll come under the blood. I won't condemn myself. I'm just going to come to you. You're going to help me. You're going to use me. You're going to make me, oh God. Yes, Lord, you're going to make me, oh God, into your image. God, fruitful, oh God. Agent of multiplication, oh God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed, oh blessed. Come on, praise him for a minute. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus.